You're listening to the Product Podcast from Product School, featuring the best product leaders from Silicon Valley and beyond. If you're an aspiring product manager looking for your first PM role, or an experienced PM looking to level up your skills and advance your career, visit productschool.com to learn about our certifications and how we'll get you there. This episode is brought to you by Amplitude, the pioneer in digital optimization software that helps product leaders answer the question, how do our digital products drive our business? 1,400 plus customers, including Atlassian, Instacart, and Under Armour, rely on Amplitude's product analytics. Get started at Amplitude.com. In today's episode, we have gathered a special panel of VPs of product from Typeform, Salesforce, Gainsight, and Product School to share what it takes to have a successful career in product. No matter where you are in your journey, there is something for everyone to learn from this group of brilliant product leaders. We're so excited to be here today. Um, one of the things we're going to be talking about building the career path for product managers, there's going to be some really great tidbits, so don't, don't tune out us yet. We know lunch is a little bit heavy. Hope it was delicious. I want to take a moment and we'll introduce our panelists. Um, Melinda, let's talk about um, the products you're currently building and a little bit about how your product team is structured. Sure. Um, so I mentioned earlier that I'm part of the platform products in Salesforce. And within that, I have a very specific space called entitlement services. And even under that, I've structured it with three different pillars. Uh, the first is what I call the user authorization space. And I've got a couple of product managers that run teams under that space. And that's about how you um, create, how admins, giving admins tools to create users and also controlling data access. Um, my second pillar is around licensing services. And this is more of an internal, the services that it provides to other product teams around how we take products to and features to market and how we deliver it. I call it our Salesforce version of FedEx or UPS, digital delivery. Um, and then I have a third pillar, which is a little bit more of a hybrid, like more like a project management enablement. Because we, we support so many of our internal teams, we end up ha having to provide our own support to those teams. So that's, that's kind of how my team is structured. Love it. Heidi, what about you? What are you working on at Typeform and how do you structure your teams? Yeah, Typeform uh, is, is um, obviously quite a bit smaller than Salesforce. We're about 500 people now. Um, so we're working on both the core product, if you're familiar with it, which is a form builder. We're a delightful form builder, but also really investing in workflows, um, what we call multimodal communications. So instead of just written uh, back and forth, video, audio, um, embedded native social, like how can we foster a conversation between brands and their customers that feels natural and gives the, the end customer or respondent, as we call them, control over that conversation. So that's kind of our big investment area. And the way we've structured this is by horizons. So we've got Horizon One, which is the, the core product, which has been around for 10 years, fairly well established, and that's delivering you know, 90 plus percent of our revenue today. So that team is a lot around the optimization and we have a lot of great data about customers' needs and usage and things like that. And then we have Horizon Two and Horizon Three focused on new products that we're bringing to market. 
Horizon 2 for us is like enterprise. So we're fairly new into this enterprise space. It's growing rapidly, but I would say we, you know, we don't quite yet have like product market fit, right? It's, it's still a fraction of what that core self-service small business product is. Horizon 3 is even more speculative. These are products that um, we haven't even brought to market or we're doing like alpha tests with um, and have no expectation you know, yet around revenue and very little data, right? Direct data that they might be working with. So we've separated out the teams in this way so that we don't have to make trade-offs between them in terms of, um, in terms of prioritization. Um, they do have dependencies across each other, but, but we don't want to have to judge them all in the same way since they're really serving different purposes. I love that. Jared, what about you? What are you working on at Gainsight, and how are they structuring the teams? Well, with Heidi talking about Horizon, we actually have a product called Horizon. It's our AI you know, shared services, if you will, across how we do AI ML across our various platforms. We have two main, two main product lines. One, is, one serves the customer success needs. The other is the product experience or user adoption phase. And so we have teams aligned to help deliver both of those uh, going to market. And, and they kind of take it end-to-end -end from the particular, we're, we're small enough where we have end-to-end like, -end from the feature usage capabilities all the way through, you know, the, the end of market capabilities and or platform capabilities. And where I focus primarily is on the, I would say like the release process. So you get go to market, user readiness, field readiness, getting ready to go to market and starting to bleed into what we, what we, what may be considered customer marketing, but essentially now that we have products in market, how do we continue to use them, increase adoption, increase awareness and look for areas of growth and other expansion opportunities and then feed that back into the product development process. Love it. So we know there's a lot more opportunities than we want. There are not enough opportunities that we want. There's a lot of people who want to get into product. Not a lot of companies offer associate product manager roles and, and programs. So what advice would you give to a company who's open to hiring entry-level product managers but maybe doesn't have a program or a pipeline created for that? Well, Salesforce actually has one. <laughs> We, we have an amazing university recruiting program. Uh, that's our APM program. But it is very competitive. Um, and, but outside of that program, I think the, uh, I've seen a lot of people being able to translate their own personal background into different roles in the company. And then at Salesforce, there's actually a big internal recruiting market. Um, that you can go make the connections, learn a product space, and kind of slowly work your way through. I personally have brought converted engineers into, into a PM role myself on my team. So, so it is possible. What advice would you give to a leader who's looking to do that? Take some engineers who are interested in product and, and bring them over. Um, I think you, you do need to nurture them in terms of getting them past the I'm here to take requirements and build and really look at like de developing that questioning and analysis and discovering and understanding the customers. What about you, Heidi? Now, we do not have an APM program. We're way too small for that. Um, but we do, we have hired small numbers of APMs and in my experience at a smaller company, I mean, we're mid-size, you know, at a, at a really small company, it's tough. At a mid-size company, in some ways, it's easier because uh, we have more flexibility about roles, right? So it can be a little bit easier to experiment with a different role. Um, 
So the, the one thing that I would want to make sure is in place is a manager that understands what they're getting into and buy-in from a larger team. Like, an APM is going to need more coaching, more feedback, um, kind of someone, you know, a, a really hands-on manager that's going to help them, need to help them get the experience that they need and give that feedback in real time. Um, so, so I would look as, like, as the leader, I would look at who do I have available who's got kind of the skills and interest in managing someone that's new and make sure that I'm placing them with the right mentor when they come in the door. Um, for the internal people, I've found actually at a couple of companies, um, it's, you can set up sort of um, ad hoc kinds of uh, experiences for people. So I've had engineers that were interested and, and I would tell them like approach your PM and ask to help like PM a feature go ahead, you know, with some supervision right from the PM and like, give it a try and see what you, you know, see if you like it. Like, why not? You know, these, these divisions between the roles, frankly, we made up so we can break them, you know? <laughs> I love that. There's always more work in the backlog, right? Opportunities for, for things to get looked at. Jared, what about you? Well, building off of what Heidi said, I like, you know, in today's world, it's very virtual. And so I, I'm big on cross-functional relationships and areas of expertise. And so with that, you can volunteer to take on side projects or things that may be imperatives to the business to help expand your skill set. So if I'm coming at it from a, a PM perspective or an associate PM, I had a more non-traditional path where I did not take formal education or training, but I did learn through professional services and, and on the delivery side, the customer challenges, the problem sets and statements that we were trying to solve for those customers as an organization. And that gave me expertise and knowledge that allowed me to become a decent PM from the get-go. I say decent because it could be variable, right? You read my performance reviews and you may determine like how, how good that is or not. But, but you're able to understand, it comes from the understanding the customer and being able to have that personality or able to kind of build relationships with customers because some of those programs are really important. That's where you gather your feedback, you, you validate some of your, you know, learnings and findings through beta programs and things like that. If I'm on the leadership or hiring side, one of the things I would also say is to that kind of same coin, don't, don't always look for that traditional path. You know, there are people in organizations that have great understanding and expertise. They may have been trying different things, but they have, like, look for the skill set that you want that would make someone successful, not necessarily the pedigree behind it, because that skill set can be developed in other areas of, throughout someone's learning and, and educational path. I love that. So we have a lot of product managers who've been working in the field for a few years. What advice would you have for someone in the middle of that career path? How do they take that next step up? How do they get the seat at the table? How do they get their voice heard? What about you, Belinda? What do you think? So actually, for our mid-level um, PMs, their participation in being a mentor and a coach in our APM programs is where they can actually get that foray into people management um, because it, it, the, the plus side is the way our APM program is set up, it's essentially extra capacity, extra resourcing that you don't actually have to pay a headcount for. But it does come with rules and you learn to how to structure projects that are more controlled because the APMs are on three-month rotations where uh, the goal for our, the APM is we want to get them through different products. 
and give them that sampling of how they might want to work differently in different departments of the, of the, of the company. But as a manager who pitches the, the projects, you learn to pitch, you learn to structure your, uh, your project in a controlled, like time-boxed way, and you learn to actually manage um, another person in, in a very compassionate way. So that's, that's, that's what I recommend to a lot of my mid-level um, PMs is to think about how they can actually get in and pitch for an APM, co to host a APM cohort. And then from there, they can make that decision path on, do I want to become a people leader? Do I want to stay an individual contributor? How do I develop my career? I, I find um, for people getting into the mid-level, um, now is a good time to think about where you want to specialize and how you want to develop that, that T career sort of profile, right? So um, as product managers, we need to be competent enough in a wide variety of things, you know, data analytics and design and communications and, you know, passable in technology and, you know, and things like that. But here's where you want to become an expert in something. Um, and so picking what that is and starting to go deep in that and also kind of build your own reputation around that would be my advice. As far as how to pick that, um, I would suggest it's probably the thing that you enjoy the most um, and not necessarily the thing that you think you're supposed to be best at, right? Rather than looking at like, what is the market, you know, demanding? Oh, market's looking for, you know, data specialists. Instead, what's the stuff that you really enjoy? What's your, what are your best days when you get up and you're like, yes, I get to interview customers today. Or, you know, yes, I get to like be hands-on with the team planning today. Like, what, what is that that kind of like gets you going? And lean into that. And it may have nothing to do with your education at all. Um, that's super common. I've got people who were designers and went into PM and like they're the best data analysts I know. Um, so, you know, kind of let go of that and just ask yourself, what's the fun part for you? It's probably the part you're good at. And then go hard at that um, and really develop expertise. Um, on, on the people management, I know my opinion might be a little controversial where uh, I, I would like to, I want my companies to be a place where you can continue growing in your career, whether you're an IC or a people manager. And I think people management is one of those skills um, where you can go deep. And it's one, like, I, I, I care more about my team than I do about the product. Like, shh, you know, it's, but it's true. Um, so, so that for me is one of my areas of going deep, but, um, but for other people, you know, who aren't so fired up by managing people, fine. You know, I, I don't want to live in a world where you have to manage people to get ahead because um, it's kind of its own set of skills. This episode is brought to you by Amplitude, the pioneer in digital optimization software that helps product leaders innovate faster and smarter by answering the strategic question, how do our digital products drive our business? 1,400 plus customers like Atlassian, Instacart, and Under Armour rely on Amplitude's best-in-class product analytics solution to unlock insights, build winning products faster, and turn products into revenue. Get started at Amplitude.com. Well, I would argue that people are your most important resource at any organization, right? And my other piece of unsolicited advice is, although you have mentors and people that help you throughout the organization, they may care about your path and growth, no one's going to care about your career as much as you do. 
And so look for those cross-functional opportunities in order to get these experiences in other areas. Like you may not be an official people manager, right? But you can be a team lead on a Tiger team for a specific product or for a release cycle or for a sprint cycle. And so you can kind of try out what that means to kind of lead by example or or help support individuals and help them grow and develop and reach their full potential. Likewise, I also feel, you know, similar to what's been said, is there's this misnomer where people under people in their careers feel like they need to manage or develop in order to be successful. And that's not the case. You have the same earning potential and success path for being an IC as you do for a people manager. I know a lot of people that are fellows who've kind of reached that, that height in the organization. Some organizations will have that as a, as a title where they're basically at the top of the game and the managers listen to them as far as what their recommendations are. So there are multiple paths that you can take. But my advice would be you got to do your day-to-day, right? That's how you continue to pay the bills, if you will. And then as you expand your career, it's those cross-functional opportunities because that's not only going to get you exposure to other parts of the organization and other skills and things to try out, it will also let those other organizations and units know what you're capable of. And so when those opportunities arise, they come to you to say, hey, we have this potential opportunity you might be a fit for. The demand for product talent is more competitive than ever. How can organizations build out better career paths for product managers to try and retain that talent that they have? Jared, do you have any thoughts on that one? Put him on the spot. Yeah. I'm used to the flow. See how that got disruptive all of a sudden? (laughs) If we we can, way to keep us on edge. So thanks, Belinda. I think that you were, that was the result of, of your direction. Anyway, so how to, how to have organizations best promote a career path, right? Mm -hmm. I think part of it is having transparency where you need to, and sometimes there's like maybe like some hidden rules where, or some, what would you say, like traditional elements where it's like, oh, you do this for a couple of years and you do this for a couple of years and you get up to here, right? Like just really break it down for people and be open and honest about conversations where, you know, it starts with like a review or a check-in process where I, as an individual who care about my career, these are the opportunities that I want to have. Have that conversation with your manager and make sure your organization will honor those types of conversations. I'm not saying you can commit, right? Because I know us as PMs, we have milestones we want to hit. We have checkpoints. We have entry and exit criteria. It's not going to be as as uh, finite as that, right? There's got to be a little bit of wiggle room, but at least you know the path or the trajectory that you want to try on. As an example, I want to lead a cross-functional team. Is there an opportunity for me at this organization or do we have a process in which I can be considered to be the next leader for the next sprint cycle that goes through? And so that would be kind of one of my tidbits would be the transparency aspect to see, like, let's define, even if there's nothing defined, be overt about that and say like, hey, we don't have a path, but you want to help us figure it out or, you know, you got to figure it out as you go. But as long as you're clear. Do you see more companies changing that as they move to a more product-led growth and product-driven organization, Jared? So I have to fill the product-led growth question. If you wait for one hour, our CTO will be here on stage. That's my shameless plug. He has a book signing back there. But no, uh, Mickey will talk a lot about the product-led growth. But what, what, what I think you're getting at, Rachel, is there's, there's different levels of PMs at organization. One of the organizations where I was first a PM, like, cool, you're a PM. You get to manage an engineer's backlog. Like, that wasn't fun for me. Um, some people really enjoyed it, and they're really good at, like, the program management aspect of kind of making through, making sure we go through priority lists. Then I had an opportunity to say, hey, you're over field readiness. That was a little bit more exciting because then I got to interact more with the sales team and kind of see how our things were landing out there in the ecosystem. And as product-led growth and other areas open up, you start to see organizations that they're, 
there's, it's not just PM as a defined unit. There's multiple areas of what a PM can be and can become. And so you have these opportunities for additional growth areas, if you will, to try your, your you know, basically your T, right? Like where are you going to go deep in? There's these different areas of specialty, whether it's managing engineering backlogs, living in JIRA all day, uh, you know, running beta groups, launching field readiness, even sunsetting, right? That's all part of the product lifecycle. So there's different stages and cross-functional opportunities all across the whole product lifecycle. What do you think about it, Heidi? Yeah, about I'm going to jump in with a comment. Um, going back actually a little bit, one of the things that I look for when someone's on that cusp of like senior PM, director, right? People are like, how do I get to that director level, you know, and out of this sort of the hands-on PM level. And one of the things that I look for is, um, are they influencing other teams to get their agenda d done, right? So not just controlling their own team's backlog and priorities, but are they marshalling resources from elsewhere in the company to achieve a larger purpose? And that might be other product teams. It might be marketing teams. It could be uh, research. You know, it doesn't have to be necessarily like just another product team. And are they showing up as a leader across those areas and influencing the overall kind of priority, uh, trajectories and priorities across the company? So those are, those are opportunities you can manufacture for yourselves, right? Don't wait for someone to ask you or tell you you can do that, right? If you've got a meaningful mission, you can sell that to other people in the organization and get them on board with working with you. Um, you know, go for it, right? What do you have to lose? Uh, and also, something to keep in mind, your manager, part of their job, part of the job of being a manager is developing your people and helping create opportunities for them to succeed. So don't be afraid to ask your manager to help you find those opportunities and be really direct with them about what you want, too. That, that is their job. I think for me, it's, it's more, or for us, it's more... Is it, are we looking for growth? Let's make sure you are looking for a growth um, and not just a title change, right? And, um, and the transparency for us is about, it's, it's, it's about increasing your scope. And to, to Heidi's point, a lot of that scope could be you have grown the product so that it can have more scope. It's delivering more value, and then it's marketing. It's, it's doing that internal marketing of that as well. And others could be, hey, the product is, is, it is what it is, but now I need to look for adjacent space. What other white spaces is there that I can actually build more ideas around? So, so I think for me the key part is how can we make sure that we're working on increasing the influence, the scope of what you're doing to really make that pitch or make that justification for the promotion. That makes a lot of sense. We're almost out of time. We've saved the best for last. What's the one takeaway nugget tip for a company, for a product manager that you would provide? Heidi, we'll start with you. We'll throw I'll it right go, in the I'm middle. I'm nodding, so I'll go. Um, for the company, my advice is, is be transparent, which came up before. Um, I think a lot, of, a lot of people I talk to don't really understand how promotion process works and don't, you know, kind of don't real, know what it is to get from this level to this level or don't have expectations about how often it might happen, right? So things like getting promoted into a director or above level often is based on, you know, is there actually a need in the company for that role? So people might be sitting there ready for that role, but don't get promoted into it because there's just not a need for it yet, right? Whereas under that, it tends to be based on is the person sort of proven themselves into that role. 
people don't realize that. So the more, the more we can educate everybody about how those decisions are really made in the company, the better they're going to understand what they need to do and, and sort of be empathetic if, you know, if they're sitting there maybe waiting for a bit for that opportunity. I would say for the individual, look for cross-functional opportunities. Short and sweet. Belinda, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure I can add much. But it's recognizing the, getting that organizational awareness uh, and adding the self-awareness on top of it so that you know, is, is there a need for it? Is, do I want to change job to get that, to fulfill that need? Or do I want to wait until what I love doing right now grows into that need? I love that. One more, we'll throw it in super quick. We've got 50 seconds left. What gets in the way of a product manager's career? What are the things that get in the way and stop their progress that we can work on eliminating as managers? I'll, I'll jump in first too, because this is one I'm super guilty of, is getting so caught up in getting things done that you kind of forget to like be strategic right? Like I, I'm a slave to the checklist and like I did so many things today, right? I closed the tickets um, that I forget to like write the strategy and sell that strategy and that vision, you know? So uh, make sure that you take the time to be visionary. To build on that, I'd say, you know, the why, right? Like why am I doing this to begin with? And just making sure you keep that in mind. I'd say one more quick thing would be, especially in the career progression, look for a mentor, maybe someone who's one or two steps ahead of you of where you want to be and just and ask them for advice. Find someone inside and outside of the company because right? you can have more than one mentor. And be open-minded about new opportunities. I think that's the biggest thing that you can unblock yourself. It's like maybe you have something you, you thought you wanted to be since you were a baby, but, <laughs> but maybe there's some bigger thing that would be available to you if you just kind of be a little more beginner's mind. I love it. Thank you so much, panelists, for joining us on this improv panel. Let's give them a big round of applause. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Taking the time to write just a few sentences about what you love most about the show will help us improve it and reach even more product people around the world. And when you're done, why not reward yourself with some free product management content and resources over at productschool.com? Until next time, stay product-led.